So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or your tablets or whatever you want to look at, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. But I want to begin with a story. It's uh, by Max Lucado, if you don't know who he is. He's a Christian author and he writes lots and lots. He's prolific in writing. And he wrote a book called In the Eye of a Storm. And he writes this song, This I'm sorry, this uh, story about Chirpy the Parakeet. Chirpy the Parakeet. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Are you there? You should be there. Okay, good. Chirpy the parakeet never saw it coming. The problem began when Chirpy's owner decided to clean Chirpy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. Uh I know. You know where it's going. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. Then the phone rang and she stopped. I'm sorry. She turned to pick it up. She barely said hello when Chirpy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag. There was Chirpy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chirpy under the running water. Then, realizing that Chirpy was soaked and shivering, she decided that the compassionate thing to do would be to reach for the hairdryer and blast the pet with hot air. Poor Chirpy never knew what hit him, is how he writes it. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about Chirpy uh, contacted the owner and asked how Chirpy was doing. Well, she said, Chirpy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits there and stares. (laughs) And Licato concludes with this. It all makes sense getting sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal a song from every heart. And really, Christmas, if we're not careful, is a lot like that because you get kind of sucked into materialism. Uh, you get kind of blown over with, with uh, the hurry of it all and the expense of it all. And so today is the story. We're kind of looking at these, these songs of Christmas. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Mary's song, and she sang a song, and it was called The Magnificat. And last week we looked at Simeon, and he was an old dude, and he sang a song that was called uh, the Nunc de Dimittis. And today we're looking at a dude named Zechariah, also an old dude, and he sang a song, and the Latin for that is the Benedictus, the blessing. Now, there's a backstory to all of these songs, and this one is super interesting, and so I'm happy to share it with you. Um, but we have to go back to the Old Testament. In fact, let's go to the end of the Old Testament. So uh, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. The last two verses in Malachi are Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And this is how the Old Testament ends. So these are the last two verses in the Old Testament. This is God speaking to his people. I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. (laughs) And then it's like God drops the mic. I mean, it it is, shout out to Elijah, by the way. You know, it's like, uh, shout out to Elijah. And so the Jewish people read this. This is a bad way to end a book unless you're going to write a sequel. And so he, he writes, they write this down. Malachi writes this down. And then it's sort of, there's nothing. It's just sort of quiet. I mean, like, like really quiet. Now, the Jews were wondering, okay, is Elijah coming back? 
Because Elijah had been dead a long time. Now, he was probably uh, the, the greatest prophet of Israel. And, but but he, had been, he had been dead a long time when, Eli, uh, when Malachi writes this. And so they're thinking to themselves, well, is he coming back? We don't believe in reincarnation. So what in the world is God talking about here? And then it is sort of silence. For 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's silence. Now, it's not as if God's not working, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but there's this, this longing. You're the people of God. You're the Israelites. You're, you're waiting for a Messiah. In fact, the Old Testament talks, the prophets talk a lot about, hey, there's going to be a restoration of the kingdom, and yet... For 400 years, that's longer. You understand that's longer than the United States has been in existence. 400 years is a long time. That would be generation after generation after generation after generation never hears from God. Now, they have the scriptures, certainly, and they, have, they can go back to the prophets of old, but there's nothing new. I mean, there's a promise of Messiah, but there's no Messiah. And people got kind of fell into categories, really. You had some that just said, forget it. I mean, you, you know, God, he, he wrote that thing in Malachi, but evidently he's not going to follow through. So we don't even, we, we just, we, we're giving up hope. So you have some folks that give up hope. And then you have some that they're, they're kind of like, we'll fall into some traditions. We'll do the ritual stuff, but we, you know, we really don't have a lot of hope. And then, then you have some people who are filled with hope. Even though God has been silent, they're hopeful. And a couple of those people are named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, it, it talks about them early on in the book of Luke. They're righteous. We talked about this word last week. Righteous means I'm in a right relationship with God. And a relationship with anybody can be in good shape or bad shape. We, we visited with, about that last week. And so sometimes the easiest relationship to think about in this regard would be with your spouse or with your kids. And so sometimes you're in a good relationship uh, and you're, you're kind of in sync with one another and sometimes you're not. And so when the Bible says Zechariah and Elizabeth, well, it says it right here, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. And they observed the Lord's commands and decrees, and, and they lived a life that honored God. And it was a little bit rare in that particular setting because, again, God had been silent for a long time. Really important to understand who these people are. Now, the word righteous was used, we talked about it last week, Simeon was righteous, uh, Joseph and Mary were righteous. And so what you see in the Christmas story are there are some people involved and they're in right relationship with God. Now, it's not all, that's not the completion of their story. They're righteous, yes, but it also says they're barren. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Now, in, in our day, it's not anything like their day, but a woman was judged on her, her, her ability to have kids. A lot of times it was the parents' ability to have sons. And so Luke draws this kind of this odd juxtaposition. You have people who are righteous, who you would think God would bless because we just have this tendency to think, okay, if I live right, God will bless me. 
Well, well, one of the outward expressions of God's blessing, according to the people of that era, were children. And so they're righteous, but they're childless. And it sort of, it sort of seems awkward. Like, okay, well, how can it be both? It seems like it would be one or the other. You, you know, if you're righteous, well, then you should have kids. That's just kind of how that, uh, that society uh, would work. And, and so there's this... The stigma. So you can imagine people in, in their town would think to themselves, well, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they look like they love God and they, they act like they love God, but God's not blessing them. So what's the real story? You know, that's kind of the undertone of, of this whole setup for the song. Hey, there, there's a little bit of a stigma to them. When I was in high school, I read a book called The Scarlet Letter. Anybody read The Scarlet Letter? Anybody like me and read the cliff notes of The Scarlet Letter? Yeah, great. Okay, good, good, good. Because reading's for chumps. Okay, so um, read, read The Scarlet Letter. And, and you remember the premise of the story, even if you haven't read the book. The premise is there's a woman and she has a child out of wedlock. And in the, her community, they require her to wear a scarlet letter A on her cloak. And so everybody knows what she did. And here you have, you have uh, Elizabeth and you have Zechariah and they don't have any kids and it's obvious. And so there's a, there's a stigma. People do that today. They wear stuff and there's a stigma like this guy. There's a stigma uh, to wearing stuff like that. Jesse, this is for you. Okay, all right, so... That dude is all in. He's got Smokey on his arm. Uh, that's pretty good. So you have Zachariah and Elizabeth, and there's a stigma about them. They, they, they're righteous, but they don't have any kids. And there's one more thing that's really important. They're righteous, they're barren, and they're very old. And Luke says, <laughs> uh, Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. He could have used better language, could have used nicer language. They were matured, you know. They were seasoned. Uh, they were uh, vintaged, you know. I mean, there are words you could use rather than very old. And so here are these two people who live very public lives. And there's a stigma. Now, it just so happens that Zechariah is a priest. And as such, he has this opportunity to serve the Lord. And again, it kind of makes it worse. He's righteous, he's a priest, and yet God hasn't blessed them the way people think that he needs to be blessed. And then the story takes a turn. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, so Zechariah was part of the, the priestly clan, and so every once in a while your clan would come up you know, for uh, the opportunity to go serve in the temple, and you would go. You would be one, uh, in, in Zechariah's case, one of 18,000. So he was one priest of 18,000 priests. They had lots of them, and they would go and serve at the temple uh, uh, twice a year. And once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lots. <laughs> so they threw dice or something, I don't know. According to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And this was a huge honor. Um, so a football player will win the Heisman Trophy. And now all of a sudden they, they're a claim 
escalates, right? So you, you would be a priest, and priests were well-respected. Well but then if you were a priest who actually got to go into the Holy of Holies and offer incense, this would be like winning the Heisman Trophy. Everybody in your community would know this. They would offer you... Uh, more respect. I mean, it's like not only are you the priest, but you're like the priest that went into the Holy of Holies. It's re- I mean, it was a really big deal. And so he selected one of 18,000. And remember, he's really old. Luke, Luke I mean, makes the point. He's really old. So if you're really old, have you ever thought if, if, you, won, if you won the lottery... You had your little ticket there, and you're looking at the numbers. How many times do you look at the numbers if you win the lottery? More than once, right? I mean, don't you look at it more than once? I'd check. I'd say, Miriam, look at this. I think we won. Uh, I I, I can imagine Zechariah is like, (laughs) okay, I think I won this. I think I'm going to get to go into the temple. And he probably says to Elizabeth, can you check? Will you check this? Did I hear that right? Maybe I didn't hear it right, because when you get older, you don't hear stuff right. And so maybe I just didn't hear this right, and yet he was chosen. And it was a one-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-lifetime thing. One time when I was in Michigan, I had a lady in my church, and her mom passed away, and her mother was Catholic, and so I went to the Catholic funeral. It was... It was a great funeral. The priest was awesome. He was great. And, and he gave a, a great eulogy, and he had some of the grandkids that come up, and, and they did stuff. They said stuff. And it was really, really outstanding. I, I don't attend a lot. Maybe every Catholic funeral is outstanding. That one, the one I attended, was great. And then at the end of the service, they roll the casket out into the foyer or whatever it's called. And he, he takes this little wand and he gets this little chalice of water, and he, it's holy water. It's like the holy wand of holy water, you know? And so he starts to, he sprinkles the casket with the holy water. And then he, he said something. Would anybody else like to sprinkle the holy water? And I'm like, oh, dude, that's me. Uh, yes, absolutely. He said, do you know who, do you know Miss Watson? No, I don't know her. Uh, but I'm a Baptist preacher and I'm never going to get a chance to do this. And he laughed. He said, yeah, I sprinkle. So I get up there. I'm sprinkling the fire out of that. I mean, I am sprinkling, I'm sprinkling the people. I'm sprinkling myself. I mean, I, I'm going nuts. Sprinkling, sprinkling all over the place. Because it's a once. Hey, Cliff, is Cliff in here? Have you ever sprinkled? You ever got the holy water? See, Cliff, I never got to do it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You'd have done it, wouldn't you? Oh, buddy, I, I, if he had two wands, I'd have done it with both hands. I mean, I went nuts. But I was never going to get to do it again. So you have Zechariah with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now, once you did it, you never got to do it again. So he'd never actually done this before because you only did it one time if you were lucky enough in your life. But he knew people. So he would have talked to folks. Hey, when you go in the Holy of Holies, what's it like? He would have talked to folks that had been in there. What do you do when you go into the Holy of Holies? And what they did was they offered, they offered incense. They offered sacrifice. And so this is what would happen. It says here, And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So there's the Holy of Holies and... And Zechariah's out there with the people, and everybody's praying. And Zechariah says, okay, I'm going in now. 
I'm going to pray for you guys. And he goes in. And I can't imagine that being in the Holy of Holies isn't something that doesn't change your life. Because in that moment, remember we talked about this last week. The temple was in the Jewish mind where heaven overlapped earth. The most holy place in the world was the temple. And the most holy place in the most holy place was the Holy of Holies. Thus the name. And I would think you would be awestruck to go in to the Holy of Holies. And he goes in. And in that moment, he's offering incense and he's praying for the people. And it's this moment that you just, I can't imagine you would ever forget it. And he gets to offer these prayers for the people. Now, the, the, the folks will be waiting outside because it would be customary for the priest goes in and he offers the incense and he does what he's going to do. And then he comes out and he offers them a blessing. You know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. That kind of thing. And so the people were outside anticipating a blessing. And Zechariah, he goes in and he offers the incense. And then it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When you read scripture, understand something. When anything is at the right side, that is the hand of power. For those of you who are left-handed, no offense, that's just how it works in scripture. And so you'll see things, it'll say, Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God. That means he is sitting in the position of power. And so this angel shows up. And he's standing in the position of power. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. Yeah, you think? The Holy Holies is like a, it, it is a solo operation. You're in there by yourself. So you're in there, you're offering incense, and all of a sudden, there's an angel. And I can imagine, he goes, oh, you know, it's like, oh, there's somebody here. And it's an angel. And then it says he was gripped with fear because this is what happens when mortal man meets a celestial being. Oh, (laughs) I can imagine he goes, oh, oh, Uh, he's startled and he's gripped with fear. But the angel talks to him. He said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. (laughs) All right, do you recall that Zechariah and Elizabeth are something? They are very something? Very old. Very old people don't have babies. Not only is it... So I could think to myself, okay, if I'm Zechariah and God says, uh, you're going to have a son, and he's, he's probably going through, okay, well, maybe he means I'm going to be a mentor to a young priest or uh, we're going to adopt or, uh, or something. But the angel is saying you are literally, physically going to have a son and you're going to give him the name John. <laughs> he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And every time I read that, I think of my parents because they said the same thing. He will be a joy and a delight to you about me. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, are there greater words in the world to hear than God to say, or an angel to say, this is the messenger of God, do not be afraid. I mean, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, we got to run some tests, 
and he comes in with the results, what are the words you want to hear? Do, do not be afraid. When you go to the mechanic and your, <laughs> your car is clunking, you know, clunkety clunking, you go in and, and he looks it over and he comes out into the waiting room and you're sitting there, what, what words do you want to hear from the mechanic? Do not be afraid. When you get a call from the school and the teacher wants to have, your, your child's teacher wants to have a conference with you, what do you want to hear? Do not be afraid. There, there are no sweeter words in the world, I think, than do not be afraid. And here you have a man and he's told, hey, you're going to have this blessing. It's going to be amazing. And then something else. Also, awesome to hear. Your prayers have been answered. Do not be afraid. Your prayers have been answered. And this, this, old, this old priest, in fact, he's very old, walks into the Holy of Holies. He's offering incense. He encounters this angel who says, Dude, Again, he's really old. I think to myself, if I'm, if I'm him, I can relate to this because I'm pretty old. I'm not really old, but I'm pretty old. I would think, did I hear that right? So look at his response. Zachariah says to the angel, how can I be sure? <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm an old man. He comes back to that a lot, by the way. I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. That's very kind. He was kind. When you're well along in years, you know what that means? That means it takes twice as long to look half as good. Uh, that, that is, that, that's funny. Come on. That, yeah, you're, he's old. They knew the Dead Sea before it was sick. I mean, they, they were really, really old. And so he's thinking of the biology of this. Okay, well, it can't work. It, it can't be. How can this be? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It, I'm really old. My wife, also along in years. It just can't be. And in the Greek, the Greek has a way of emphasizing language. And when he says, I'm an old man now, it is with great emphasis. Man, I'm old. <laughs> and then the response. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. Dude, <laughs> I stand in the very presence of God. I'm not some chump angel. I'm not Clarence trying to earn my wings. I'm Gabriel, for goodness sake. I, I, am, I am like top gun angel. When God has an assignment that's really important, he sends me. It's equally emph emphatic. <laughs> Well, I'm an old man. Well, so? Dude, I'm Gabriel. I'm somebody. I stand in the presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Buddy, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm Gabriel. I'm giving you this good news. This is something that you're going to want to know. And then something really interesting happens. Something really interesting. 
he is, uh, Zechariah is struck mute for nine months. But now, since you didn't believe what I, had, uh, I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Nine months. Mute. Some people have questioned, what's the greater miracle here? That an old woman has a baby or that a preacher can't talk for nine months. Which is greater? I mean, it's kind of, which is more uh, amazing? And, and, and there, is, there is Gabriel picking up where Malachi 4, 5, and 6 left off. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Here's the sequel. It's going to begin with a boy named John. And he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And Zechariah hears about this. It's like, okay, okay. So in Malachi, it talked about an Elijah. And Elijah was going to prepare the way. And now I'm thinking my son John will be like Elijah. It's super interesting because you, if you read their lives, Elijah, he was um, a guy who uh, was really, uh, he, he was very forthcoming. He called people to repentance. Well, John the Baptist was the same way. He talked about people being brood of vipers and, and why are you coming out here? You know, you guys are watching this baptism. Well, why are you doing that? You need to repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That is John the Baptist's uh, message, his mantra. He was just like Elijah. And I think Zechariah was like, okay, okay, he's going to be like Elijah. And it's as if God puts Zechariah in a little bit of a timeout. And here's what we might need to learn from this for Christmas. Because Christmas is busy. There are lots of, there's lots of noise. I went in Target the other day. Every person in Greer was in Target. I walked in. I'm like, there's a, I, I literally walked in. The line was <laughs> like a mile long. I just, I, I turned around, walked out. It's like, I don't want, this isn't, this brings me no joy. There's no joy at, at Target. No joy at Target. It's one of the happiest places in the world. Not that day. No joy. We, we get so busy. Now, I don't know about you, but I like noise. I, I, I like stuff going on. So if I'm working outside, I put in my headphones, I listen to a podcast, I listen to a book. I like books, uh, audio books, and so I listen to stuff. Well, the other day, on Monday, I was putting out luminaries. Y'all know what those are? <laughs> they're, they're little bags that you put lights in, and it, it's kind of a Southwest tradition. When we lived in, the, in New Mexico, we like it, and so we do it at our house. So I'm putting those out. And the battery went down on my headphones or something. I couldn't, I couldn't use it, and so I just like, Ugh. I'm going to have to do this in silence. Ugh. Like it's the worst thing ever. So I threw my headphones off, and I'm just working in silence. And then I hear a sound I have never heard before. I think it was a loon. What does a loon sound like? Anybody? Whoo! I don't know what it was. But it was... It was far enough away where, I, you know, it's like I was going to record it and it was too far away. But it went, <laughs> this is my loon call. Hoo-hoo! It wasn't an owl, though. That sounds alley. Let me see. Anybody, any loon experts? Mark King. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> he knows everything. Uh, it's some loon sound. I swear it was a loon. I think it was a loon. It was loony. And, and so it seemed like a loon to me. Anyway, I would have not heard the loon if it was a loon, 
If, it, if I had a... We, how much do we miss? Because we won't just be quiet for a second. Now, it's not recorded in Scripture, but a little piece of me wishes that the, the encounter <laughs> Zachariah has with Elizabeth when he goes home, I wish that was recorded. Can you imagine? He writes a little note, hands it to her. She reads it. The angel said, we're going to do what? And now you want me and you to do what? I mean, it's like, uh, husbands come up with some creative ideas on this. That one is gold. I mean, it's like, we've got to do it. God wants us to. I mean, it's what he's basically saying. It's for the Lord. I mean, that's why we're going to have to do this. It's, 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 I, I, I don't want to. It's for the Lord. Uh, you know, it's, and so, nine months later, this, this baby is born. But, but the question is, if you couldn't speak for nine months, like if you had to be quiet for nine months, or maybe, maybe, maybe nine hours or nine minutes, uh, what would God say to us? So nine months later, this little boy is born. And they go to Elizabeth and they say, what are we going to name him? Now, this is a little bit of a formality because every, nearly every firstborn son was named after their father. And so they already knew what they were going to call him. His name was going to be Zachariah Jr. We're going to call him ZJ or Zeej. Uh, we kind of have his nickname already lined up. He's going to be ZJ, and, and that's kind of what's going to happen. And so as a matter of formality, they say to Elizabeth, okay, why do you want to name him? And she says, uh, I think let's name him John. They were like, what? You're whack. Uh, we got to name him Zachariah. That's, that's his dad's name, John. So this is what happens. Then they made signs to his father to find what he would like to name the child, because the father is the one actually that got to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he writes, his name is John. And there's this moment of obedience. Now, can you imagine... You have waited all your life for a son. Traditionally, he would be named after you. And yet, this is one of many sacrifices that Zechariah makes. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not ZJ. His name is John. And then his, his speech is opened. Look, look, look. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak. Now, if we had ended the sentence there, you would think, okay, the first thing he would say is to his wife, honey, thank you, good job. Because that's what, man, when your wife has a baby, you should thank her a little bit for that. It's like, good work, good work there. I did that four times with Miriam. Good job, honey, good job. Way to go. Way to go with your bad self. You know, uh, you'd think he'd say something like, good job. He doesn't. You'd think maybe he would say to the people, look at me, I'm a daddy. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, he doesn't. It says he began to speak, and then he, he kind of breaks into this, this song. He breaks into this song. And I think before we push too fast, 
Zechariah had doubt, and God still used him. Too, too many of us think doubt disqualifies us. Like, well, if I've got doubts, then obviously God can't use me. Well, I don't think it works that way. It was too good to be true. When I saw Zechariah's response, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I can't imagine I wouldn't have done that too. How can this be? Maybe it wasn't so much discipline. Maybe it was just God had Zechariah slow and calm his life so that he could be prepared for the birth of his son, a little boy named John. Now, one would think, one would suppose that Zechariah has this son, he names him John, he starts to praise God. But you'd think he'd kind of get to, hey, man, thank you, Lord, for this son. But now all of a sudden, Zechariah begins to prophesy. So you all probably know this, but John is the guy we know as John the Baptist because he baptized people, he called people into repentance. And the Bible says he's the one who prepared the way for Christ. Like he was the one, he was the, he was the hype man for Jesus. And, and he was there, and he was preparing the way for Christ. And so Zechariah, even as the baby is laying there, begins to sort of prepare the way for Christ. Praise, praise be to the Lord, the God, <coughs> the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has come to his people. This is the language. Uh, do you remember when Jesus said, um, he was teaching and he said, uh, I, I was uh, sick and you uh, came to see me? You came to see me? It's the same language. You, you've come. And so he's saying, look, look, the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. He's coming. He's come. It's the same language that's used in Matthew. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God has come. God is with us. God is present. He is here. And so he starts talking about Jesus as uh, coming to earth. The Benedictus is all about God's coming to earth. And so look, look at what he says. Christ is this fulfillment. He, this, this Savior, He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of the servant David, just as He promised through the holy prophets long ago. There was this idea that, hey, there was a, a Messiah is coming. <laughs> and I love, look, John was important. He was really important. Zechariah's son John was going to be super important. But the focus was going to be on Jesus. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. And then it says, He sent Jesus to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear in His holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. He gives us, Jesus gives us purpose. I, I love to repurpose things. I, I, I think that people are amazing at repurposing. Look, look at some of these pictures. Look at this, it's brilliant. It's in the guy's closet. Look at that. It's really, really brilliant. This next one, uh, some dude took bicycle parts and he makes this um, lamp. Kind of a lamp. I don't, lamp's not right. Um, a light fixture. Look at this. It's awesome. Just awesome. Um, oh, this one. This is great. Um, this, this lady uh, had an old piano. She made that out of it. I know. It's super cool. This next one is from Kentucky. We call it fire and ice. 
It's awesome. That's good. I'm leaving it there because I know some of you are all thinking about it. Uh, we have one of those in the backyard. Okay. Have you ever driven by a building kind of like this? You drive by and it's dilapidated. You do, I mean, I do it. Do you do that? Like I'll, I'll drive by a house or it'll be an old mill, and I'll think to myself, oh, man. If I had enough money, had enough time, and if I was smart enough, I could make something out of that. You ever think of that? Like, like man, you could make something out of that. That's, that's all. It's, it's, it's dilapidated. It's, it's kind of not good now, but it could be something. I do it all the time. Every time I see a, a dilapidated house, every time I, I think to myself, oh, if I just had the money and the time and the intellect, I, I could make something out of that. Look at what they made out of this. Look at that. It almost doesn't look like the same thing. And God looks at us, and maybe we look like that on the left. We're, we're a little, we're like Chirpy the parakeet. We, we've, had, we've been through it a little bit. You know, it's, we're, we've been through it just a little bit. And yet, there's this nation, and it's called Israel, and they've been through it. And Herod had set up idols, and they'd been overrun by the Romans, and they looked like the building on the left. They'd been through it a little bit. But God saw something else. Too many of us think, okay, well, 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 okay, I'm too far gone. Well, you know you're not. See, Zechariah finally gets around to singing about his son, who is a servant. And he said, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. And you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. The good news is the forgiveness of their sins is available to all of us. Jesus came and he, he not only saves us, but he gives us purpose. Then he guides us. Two weeks ago on December 7th, we celebrated the, well, we didn't celebrate, but we commemorated the bombing of Pearl Harbor 81 years prior. It happened in 1941. And it propelled us into World War II. And for four, about four long years, the United States, this is long before most of us were ever even born, but for four long years, we, as Americans, rationed and worried because there was a battle for world dominance that we were a part of. And we knew that if we didn't win, that evil was going to get a foothold in, in most of the world. And the tide turned, and victory was sure. And President Truman decided he would make an announcement because the Japanese had surrenders. Now, he was going to make this, and he, make, he made the announcement on August 14th, but the surrender was before that, and it started to leak out, hey, we've won the war. And then you would have these, these celebrations look like this, these celebrations. These celebrations of victory. Hey, the, we're victory. 
these spontaneous celebrations. And this is what one author says. It's as if joy had been rationed and saved up for three years, eight months, and seven days. Three years, eight months, and seven days. That's how long the war went on. Can you imagine the joy when the Messiah came after 400 years? Not, not three years, eight months, and seven days. And so John is born, and Zechariah sings this song. And this song is, there is a Savior, and my son gets to set the pace, gets to prepare the way. And the song for us, if Zechariah was to sing to us, it would be, Jesus is born, and we get to share the good news. You see, I, I skipped past a slide, but it's important for us to remember that to be a servant is better than to be the center of attention. To be a servant. He was so proud of his son because his son got to be a servant for the Messiah. And we should be proud of that as well. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to serve you. We're thankful that Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy. We ask now that you would bless us and keep us. Guide us as we enter this last week before Christmas. Help us to slow. Help us to enjoy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.